Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bolay, as always, as we have hit the 25% mark of the season for the Avalanche as they beat the Calgary Flames and the Tampa Bay Lightning and have now played 21 games out of the 82-game season. As it stands right now, 15-6, and 6, 30 points, leading the Central Division. And if not for a historic collapse to Nashville, they would be on an eight-game win streak, but we have to settle for seven of eight how how unlucky of us i think until the abs lose again we will keep bringing that up just because it is just so funny that that collapse cost us this eight game win streak yep obviously obviously i kind of like it that way obviously not losing but the breaking because every game has that pressure of like oh the win streak is on it's going to be the game that breaks the win streak i always prefer the two points but it's nice to have that narrative yeah, on it's a good point way. That's a good point. I just it, it makes me chuckle. That's just like uh, even I'm I'm doing that like when I think about it, I'm like oh damn if it wasn't for that collapse we'd be on the eight game win streak right now and I think I'll keep saying that until the Avs lose again. Yeah, because ever ever since the Blues game we've won every game except that outside of a, a result that has not happened or has only happened twelve times ever. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. We're we're on the right side of history there, but uh, yeah, I mean the, these two games. One was awesome to watch, and the other was, please just have this end as quickly as possible. Yep. One second half of a back-to-back against Calgary, and the other one, a very fun Stanley Cup final rematch against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I I really did enjoy the Lightning game. Georgiev, I think, is fully back. You're starting to really see some guys round into form. Do you want to just get the Calgary game out of the way? Because like I don't have a lot to say. Yeah, well, let's knock out this Calgary game because one, it's happened on Saturday, so that's by the time you're listening to this, like three or four days old. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch the game, be thankful you didn't. Uh, both teams were on the second half of a back-to-back. It, the game kind of sucked. It wasn't very exciting. Uh, my biggest takeaway from it is Prozvatov looked really, really good in this game. Uh, I think he ended up making like almost did he almost make 30 saves or was it like 27 or 28 i can't remember uh prosvatov ended up making if the nhl site would work and actually give me the stats he made 29 saves on 30 shots yeah so prosvatov was fantastic in this game um i really liked the way he played other than that th- this game the third period for the avs you could just tell their legs were gone They had nothing left in the tank in that third period. And that's how Calgary kind of made this game a little bit closer because for the first two periods, the abs absolutely dominated them up and down the ice. Yeah. I mean, first period, I mean, the first period of the last two games, it's been a nice change of pace that the abs have gone out there and won the first period instead of just saving it all for the third period, third period. They're right. I think they just seemed kind of run down, but thankfully the flames were not good in this game. This was just a very sloppy, boring hockey game, and the Avs are just better than Calgary. I think that's ultimately what it boiled down to because Calgary just, it, especially for the first 40 minutes, looked like they could not complete a single pass. I think they had like three shots in the first period. The Avs outshot them like 17 to three, if I remember right. It, it looked the, like this game was going to be 
Was it 10 to 4? Yeah, yeah. I'm just adding shots because that game was so boring. Um, Dan Vladar made some big saves in that first period. This game really could have gotten out of hand. I thought Vladar was actually very good in this game for Calgary, but the Avs scored just enough. Prozatov was good in front. And yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about this game. There really isn't, other than Miles Wood trying to fight the entire Calgary Flames. That was awesome. It was pretty funny. And I think Prozvatov's earned himself some extra playing time after a performance like that, where even in the Blues game that he won at the start of the month, you can say he didn't look very comfortable, with looked off of his angles and got saved by good defense. No, he, he genuinely played really well in this game. Looked solid, looked comfortable, stopped some breakaways, stopped some really great A scoring chances. And got himself a, a pretty decent victory. Yeah, I, I thought he looked really good. Uh, McKinnon also scored a goal for the first time in like seven games on just the luckiest goal you'll probably ever see. I, I still can't believe that went in. But I, I even Mark Moser was like, how did that go in? Yeah, from a <laughs> he different gets a goal. zip code. Yeah, from a different zip code. Brian Johansson actually scored on a wraparound, which I, do you remember the last time the Avs scored a wraparound goal? Because I don't. Not that I can think of off the top yeah. of my head. I've not seen an Avs player do that in a while. Um, and Brian Johansson and Jonathan Drouin will be kind of a topic of this episode because they both in these past two games have looked pretty damn good. Yeah, they seem like they're kind of rounding the form and getting comfortable. Johansson has scored in his last couple of games, and Jonathan Drouin, like like I said, looks comfortable, looks confident on his stick, and now he's getting some points to reward him. Yeah, he, he looks good. Um, I'm trying to think, did anything else crazy happen in this Flames game that we need to talk about? I mean, I thought Manson looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. This was Josh Manson's best game in a very long time. Probably since that wild game when he first came back from the injury last year. I would say so, at least. And Logan O'Connor did not play in this game. Or he did play in this game against Calgary. I'm remembering that now. He did play in this game against Calgary. And, again, that third line, they're brilliant. Like, genuinely, I think my favorite part of this season, as we'll talk about later, has been the emergence of this third line. Yeah. I mean, they... I feel like we we're going to beat a dead horse here, but that line just kicks so much ass that you have to talk about them every episode because they just are bulldogs, every single one of them. And they will do whatever it takes to get the puck out of their zone. And they're starting to get rewarded with some goals. These past couple of games, they haven't really gotten too many, but that line is going to score a big goal in the playoffs. You just know it. A lot more than one. They're yeah. going to score a lot of goals in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that line kicks ass. But yeah, uh, finishing up on the Flames game, because I, I really don't have a lot of interest in talking about this game for much longer. It's outdated. It was boring. And I got nothing else to say. The most important thing, the Avs won. Uh, the Avs that's won. really all that matters. Really yep. all that matters. This is going to be a game that in a week from now, I'm going to re- really struggle to remember anything that took place. Yeah. My, my biggest thing with it, and this is not related to the game at all, like it's 2023. Why are we still doing back-to-backs, man? Like I, I'd rather have... I'm sure you ask the players, they don't want to play back-to-backs. Fans don't want to watch back-to-backs because it's a worse product on the ice. And the Avs have, what we say, six or seven of them this year? Yeah, this was the first one of the season. I mean, generally the Avs don't struggle that much in back-to-back situations, but they're just, they're such a slog. I don't know how you get rid of them out of the schedule, but if you could find a way to do it, the sport would be much better off for it. would be much better because what did the Avs do last year where they played like, they played back-to-back and then have like four days off, right? Yeah. Well, it's usually weird because we usually have those in October where it's like right. back to back and then four days off. And then I remember towards like the the end of the season, it got a little ridiculous too, just from what I'm remembering off the top of my head. 
And the first thing I noticed with the schedule when it came out this year was like, oh, the back-to-backs are not that bad because this is the only one we have this calendar year. Our next right. back-to-back is not until mid-January. We're going to, to Montreal and Ottawa. But this is a weird one where you're in Minnesota and then coming mm-hmm. back and then Calgary was in Dallas and coming to Colorado. It's like yeah. it's the best-case scenario where both teams are in the same spot, but it leads to a very poor product on the ice. It does. It I think they brought them back down the back-to-backs. They aren't doing as many as they used to, but it just it's just a lesser product on the ice, in my opinion. I, I just I don't get why they do that. Um it, it just makes no sense. I'm trying to look up stats to see how many teams have back-to-backs. The Kraken have 13, which seems like a lot. That is a lot. I'm looking at the abs right now. Unless I'm just missing some that are on Saturday and Sunday and broken up by the schedule. There seems to really only be about like one a month for this team right now. Okay, I can live with that. Yeah, that really that really does not seem that bad. I mean, you have one mid January, early February, mid March, and in April you have one, two. You have two back to backs in April. It's uh, Minnesota Edmonton, and then uh, Winnipeg Vegas. Both travel. Yeah, that sucks. I, I I don't know if this is true or not. I'm looking at a Reddit thing. It says New Jersey has 16 back-to-backs this year. I I have no I have no way to fact check that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you at your word. Well, can you can you how, how many did we count for the abs? Because this says we only have eight, which would put us in one, two, three, four, the fifth fewest in the NHL. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, we're gonna go with that. But New Jersey's 18, 16 back-to-back games. That fucking sucks. And then your caps close behind with 15 back-to-back games. There there is one in December. I'm realizing Winnipeg and San Jose. Okay. Yeah, no, I I just hate back to backs. That that that's the overarching theme of this is back to backs suck. Don't 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 make us watch back to back games. But if you're gonna do it, make it so that both teams are on the second half of back to back. I guess that saves it a little bit. Yeah. It's just especially like the unfair advantage thing, like just especially the, the fact that all teams don't have the same amount of back to backs. Right. Like seems like a pretty unfair advantage for yeah, and I know it's probably due to like buildings and like what teams have available for the arenas for that night, but I don't know, man. Let's figure this out so only team has to do like five. Honestly, I'm I'm very happy that I'm I'm not in charge of making the schedule for the season. Well, it's not even a person anymore; it's a computer. Yeah, but it it seems like just a very thankless task in general. Everyone just bitches at you about their schedule, so. We'll have to see, but let's move on to the more exciting game between the the, the Lightning and the Avs because that was actually a fun hockey game to watch. Yeah, that was actually one of genuinely one of the better games of the season so far, and I think the score is a little deceptive that the Avs won this game four to one, and they were up three to nothing in the game. Tampa did play really well. They but did. The Avs, they also had a strong game. They were able to get some through Vasilevsky early, and Georgiev had easily his best game of the season. Probably since the first week of the year, that was one of his best games. He was phenomenal in this game. It's kind of a shame that he let one past him, but 40 of 41 is pretty damn good, especially with where Georgiev has been. And the key to it all, man, he got a haircut. He chopped off the locks, and he just went with the more professional, clean-cut look. And, I mean, the results don't lie. Yeah, sometimes it's all you need. You just need a little little less wind through your hair. How much would you kill to have his hair? I'd kill to have a lot of people's hair, <laughs> that I don't have any. 
his luscious locks like there's so many people like you were just like that fucker like just has these flowing locks and you just cut it off no problem like, like you asked me like like how many people would you kill the answer is yeah <laughs> maybe you could no. maybe he donated it you can get one of those wigs but yeah no i mean he has a lot of hair and i i just feel free brother when it comes to that but he was terrific in this game against tampa bay he I think we'd both be making a bigger deal about the fact that he outdueled Vasilevsky if it wasn't Vasilevsky's second game back from major back surgery. Yeah. And I didn't even think Vasilevsky was bad in this no. game. I thought the abs just played really well. You had Ryan Johansson scoring two goals. So now he's potted a couple up to nine on the season. And if I'm not mistaken, on pace for around 40 goals, if this he keeps this up over the course of an 82 game season yeah there's just no way i mean if he gets 25 i'll be happy i was that's the exact number i was gonna say if he slows down and gets 25 that's exactly what you want out of a second line center 25 goals maybe 55 60 points i'd be happy as hovering in that 50 point area 25 goals like if you're paying a second line center four million bucks awesome you do a backup for it yeah perfect uh yeah i mean that that first one he scored was great I don't know why more teams don't do that on Vasilevsky. It's very clear where his weakness is, and it's low low side blocker, and that's exactly where Johansson beats yeah. him on the first one. Go back to the final. Look where they yeah. beat Vasilevsky most of that series. It's that right. exact play. And this this goal from Ryan Johansson, it's such a professional goal because like it's not super skilled, it's not super fancy, but super smart. Watch the way he controls his blade, where he is looking past the entire time Vasilevsky's buying pass the entire time last second switches the blade shoots it Vasilevsky can't react to it. it's the kind of the kind of thing you get with experience it, it kind of frustrated me because the, we saw that the apps had a ton of odd man rushes in this game and it was driving me crazy they were looking for the pass on every single one and the one where they actually shot was Johansson on that two-on-one and he scored I think there were multiple odd man rushes in the third period that the apps decided to pass instead of fucking shoot the puck like it, just shoot the puck and get the rebound if you're going to do anything. Don't just throw pass into a sliding defender's right. body. If you have a defenseman that is even a little bit covering the pass, if you have a lane to shoot, shoot. Because right. at very least you're getting a shot on net. And if that pass gets broken up, nothing comes of it. Like there's no point. No, and th- th- that was the frustrating part. But when Johansson did that on that two once, like, see, guys, this is what happens when you fucking shoot the puck. I think McKinnon had an odd man rush. McKinnon was sick. I will give yes, that's true a break because he was literally sick this morning and missed morning skate and was a, a game time decision. He kind of looked like he was playing sick. Yes. Not that he was bad, but he just looked uh, a little off, which understandably so. Uh, you know, my my nose is running and I'm out of commission for the rest of the day and I don't play. I've had a runny nose for like two weeks now and I'm, I think I'm going to die every day. So touche. But that's what it, that just drives me crazy on those odd rush. Like when you see the defender go down, just shoot the puck, because if you can get a juicy rebound off the pad, that defender has no chance. And we saw it on Johansson's second goal of the game. To He made Vasilevsky makes one of the best saves all year on Thomas Tatar, which we could talk about Thomas Tatar and his bad luck after this. But Johansson falls up in the play. It's a juicy rebound. The easiest goal Johansson's going to score all year because Vasilevsky's like, well, fuck, I made the first one. I, there's no chance yeah, I can stop the second one. So it's an incredible save from Vasilevsky yeah. on poor Thomas Tatar. And Johansson just has a wide open net. All he has to do is shoot it and not miss. And yeah, he's surprised how many times people miss, but he doesn't here. Yeah, he, he doesn't. And Vasilevsky's just looking back like there's got to be someone there to stop this guy, right? And there nope. was no one. Easiest goal for Ryan Johansson gives the abs two, but 
that second line, we could talk about a little bit more. They're getting more and more comfortable together. And, and you're starting to see the, the chemistry with them. You have Johansson with three goals in his past two games. Drouin has looked like a different player these past couple of games. Uh, I think it was Evan who pointed that out late last night. There was a rush with Jonathan Duran where he basically went in one on two and got a pretty good chance on Vasilevsky. He's not making that play a month ago. No, he's just not. No, he's gotten comfortable. And it's like the goals and the points are super nice for Druin lately, but it's, it's that kind of thing, that extra confidence that he has, that makes me way more comfortable with him. Cause guys go on hot streaks all the time. They, they fall backwards into a couple of points in a couple of games in a row with Druin. He's stronger on his stick. He's stronger in the corners. He's making more confident plays. And that comes with time. When you get more adjusted to a system, get some line mates that you're comfortable with. And it looks like the same with Ryan Johansson right now, where the foot speed is not there with him, which is very funny because he has multiple uh, odd man rush goals over the last couple of games. But even still, he's finding ways to make that work. And with Tatar, we'll save the conversation on him for in a minute, but he looks better. He looks like he's bringing something to the table. I will place the caveat on this that offensively they look comfortable. Defensively, they're atrocious. There's a reason why in the third period they played, what, like three shifts? Yeah, they did not play in the third period. They did not play late at all in the third period from what I remember because they got caved defensively against the Lightning. That still needs to be worked on, but we are making progress in this area where you're getting production from your second line, which a couple episodes ago we wrote off this line as just a, a... string of castoffs yeah, the miss the misfits but i can live with them not playing in the third period if they're contributing offensively i'm cool with that yeah the fact i mean you win this game three to one ryan johansson has two goals okay you weren't great defensively great you had the game winning goal yes like, I'm, I'm cool with that i'm cool with that at least we're getting something from them um that uh, they're, they're getting better johansson's getting some points which I, I find that interesting because he did get kicked off the first power play unit for joanne and the point production's actually probably increased these past couple yeah. past couple of games so Hopefully they can continue to build the offensive chemistry. I'm worried that we're just going to repeat this with Tatar like all the time, because remember the first time he got scratched in Seattle, he came back and strung together some pretty nice games. And then it was a repeat of the same thing. He had to get scratched and comes back and plays better. Maybe that's what he has to do, but he looks more, I don't even know, confident out there. He just looks better than what he was doing. He looks comfortable in the system. He does not look confident. Yeah, right. because he doesn't have a goal yet. He's the only four that has not scored a goal on this team this season. He should realistically have like three, but he shanked a couple of them and got robbed by Vasilevsky on this one. I think if he just gets one, if he just gets one to trickle home off of his knee or something, they're going to start going in for him. I don't think he's going to hit 20. I think it might be a little late for him to start hitting 20, but it seems like if he just gets one, he might be able to work his way towards maybe like 12 to 15 by the end of the year. I, I hope that's the case with him because it's there. It's just not coming together. He kind of reminds me of like a poor man's Burakovsky where it's like Berkey would go through these stretches where he was still putting up points, but he, that was the maddening part about Burakovsky. He's such a great offensive player and he just could not score goals. That's why I mean like Tatar is like a poor man's Burakovsky because I think we can both agree Burakovsky is the better player. Right. But it, it it does feel kind of comforting to know we have a player where it's like, oh, we know you can score goals. You just aren't scoring goals. And see, I, I the guy I went to was Don Skoy 
honestly. Where That's a good one, too. Donskoy would just go into, like, he'd go forever without a goal. And then he had, like, some stretch where he had, like, a hat trick. and then like a Yeah, two- I remember that game against Nashville. Yeah, he, he had, what, like, seven goals in, like, yeah. two games or whatever. Like, something ridiculous like that. And that was just Jonas Donskoy in an avalanche uniform. The guy was the personification of a hot streak. And Tatar, I don't know if he'll be that. But I think if he just gets one and can loosen up a little bit, I think there is something there with him. But the clock is kind of ticking a little bit because we don't know when Lekkanen is coming back. He's out. He's he out of the neck. He's out of the neck, neck brace, which is good. That was surprising news. Was that last night we got that, think, or was it after Calgary? It was after Calgary we got that update that he's out of the neck brace and was walking around and hanging out with the team and everything. Does not mean anything in terms of timetable, but also means it's not like horrific. You know, he's able to move. That's a positive. But <laughs> we don't know when we don't know when he is coming back into the lineup. And when that's the case, whether that's sooner or later, there's gonna have to be a decision made eventually. And then you got Kovalenko coming in in March or April, too. And you, you got the trade deadline too. And you don't know what what the plans are for that at the moment. Whether they do want to add another top six forward. So let's say all three of those things happen, where you add a top six forward, you add Lackanen back in the lineup, and Kovalenko comes over and kicks ass right away. There's going to be some guys that get kicked out, and Tatar needs to before that happens make the case and make an irrefutable case that he needs to stay because you yeah. can look good all you want. You still got to put up. Yeah, contribute. Yeah, because he, he he's he's striking all three boxes right now because he's not scoring. He's getting assists, secondary assists. He's not good defensively, and he's ran the bench in the third period. It's pretty easy to see who's coming out of the lineup most of these nights. So we'll have to see. He did get robbed. Like he should have had a goal, but Vasilev, he just made the most ridiculous save I've ever seen. Um, I think there's only like three goaltenders in the world that could have stopped that shot, and Vasilevsky's one of them. Yeah, and even Vasilevsky coming off of a back surgery is one He's of them. He's still the best, man. He's still so good. Why did we even think that he was like the lightning – well, to be fair, the Lightning thought that injury was going to last a lot longer than it did, but he's just – say all you want about the other goaltenders in the world. I will take Vasilevsky over every single one of them until he retires. Because it's like even – like Vasilevsky, I guess, has technically fallen off just because his high is so high that he's come back down to a top five level. Right. People are like, oh, he's not what he used to be. It's still year over year probably the best there is. But he'll give you – outside of this year, he's given you 55-plus starts in every year. He, yeah. he is – one of the most consistent. I, I, he's probably one of the biggest reasons why Tampa's been competitive for so long because they went from Ben Bishop, who was good, to this guy. Like, I don't know if there's really anyone who built like a Hall of Fame resume faster than Vasilevsky because he's still only 29. Doesn't yeah, he, he can retire like, today and be a Hall of Fame bully? Like, doesn't he feel like he's ancient at this point? Like, you almost expect him to be like 33, 34. Yeah, point. he kind of ruins all other goalies' development because he was a first-round pick and then basically like a year later was the best goalie in the world. Yeah, he was drafted 2012 by Lightning, 19th Jesus. overall. And then 2014-15 comes in. And then the year after that is playing games in the Stanley Cup final because uh, Bishop got hurt in that play. Yeah, and he kicked ass. I remember yeah. that. And then basically forced Bishop out of Tampa and then took over ever since. And his worst season was uh, last year where he was a paltry 9-15. He was the league average goal. Yeah. yeah. He, he is I, – I will take Vasilevsky, and it is just so cool to say that we're the only team to beat him in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. We beat him a couple times. Yeah. A couple, we beat him a couple there was times. a couple of games there where he did not look great. Yeah. But he, he kicks ass. The, the second line, they're getting better. 
And Tatar just needs to get one man. Once he gets one, that video, I can't wait to post it with the dumbest. Da -da. That's going to be a great video. It's going to happen eventually. It would be very poetic just if this happened in the mullet on I, Thursday. I need, to, I need to get back on my video grind. I've got some ideas cooking for some ideas I want to make for some, some players. And I just haven't done them. So a yeah. little preview. I'm going to. I'm going to make this problem because now, now this is going to make me do it. If I say I'm going to do it on a platform, that's going to motivate me. This Fair. is more for me than anybody else, but I'm going to do these and they're Fair. going to be great because now I know how to video edit. Fair. Yeah. You, it's kind of your job now. So you yeah. should know how to do that. Kind of is. <laughs> keep an eye on the Ravens. Keep an eye on the Ravens page for the next couple of days. I might have some. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Avs went up three, nothing in this game. Kill McCarr got a power play goal. I thought the power play, it, it's coming back to life. That's what three or four straight games of the power play goal. Yep. Yeah. You got, you've got your special teams back at this point. You went up against Tampa in this game who has the best power play in the NHL and they went over three. It was the difference in the game. We talked about that in the preview that we did for it. The penalty kill has been terrific and the penalty kill has been terrific all year. Like, do you remember a time where they've had a bad game? Like what, what was a game? Well, that there they was a up? couple, there's a couple of times where the, it went down a little bit. I mean, St. Louis game pretty bad. The worst yeah. power play in the NHL. Uh, put up a two or three spot on you in your own building. That wasn't great. But for the most part, outside of a couple anomalies, the penalty kill has been fantastic. And with the power play, I, I like this streak where they're scoring multiple power play goals, just in not in the same game. Right. They're spreading it out. Right. Cause like, it'd be great if you score two or three power play goals in a game. But if you're spreading that into one game instead of yeah. multiple, yeah, you're going to win that one. But you much would prefer to have that spread out over multiple games. So you're guaranteeing yourself at least one power play goal. You're going to get one goal from your big stars like McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, and a goal from one of your depth guys. You're setting yourself up pretty nicely for some good results that way. Yes. And the one power play they had where they scored, I think they had like connected on 17 straight passes before they scored. So it, it's when that power play is clicking, there's no better power play in the NHL. And you know what? a lot of the goals they've scored on the power play, they're not overthinking them. Like this one from Makar is it's a shot through traffic. Shot from basically that, the blue line. Yeah. Shot from completely in inside the blue line that narrowly avoids hitting anyone outside of like maybe a Tampa player on the way and just picks the bottom corner. Perfect shot. You don't need to do much more than that. You don't. And they weren't trying the crossing passes. They exhausted the penalty kill and they get a goal and they ended up going one for four or one for five in this game. They went one for five in this yeah. game. I mean, power play was not perfect in nope. this game, but the fact that you're seeing it score again is helpful. Seeing it scored again, which, yeah, it, it's helpful. And they'll start getting more and more, but it's three or four straight games with power play goal. Uh, we talked about with the penalty kill. I think they're still ranked in the top five now with yeah. the penalty kill for the Avs. And Man, Logan O'Connor on that penalty kill unit, he's found a job on the third line, but he's also been one of the best penalty killers in the NHL this year. Oh, Logan O'Connor came out the gates as one of the best penalty yeah. killers in the league, and he's just been phenomenal this season. I know his, his uh, shorthanded goal streak dried up, but his play has been unbelievable the entire year. Unbelievable. And it, it, it was – the Avs did commit just some stupid penalties in this game. Uh Believe it or not, Bo Byram didn't throw the puck over the boards in this game, uh, which he did do in the Calgary game twice, or was it just once? It, was it twice? I can't remember if it was twice or not. I know he had done it for three or four straight games. He, he did do it for three straight games. I don't think it was twice. I don't think it was either. Maybe I'm making that up. But he did not throw it over. 
He did take like three penalties in this game, which yeah, he, he did take two penalties in this game. He had the slash on Tanner Janot, and then Kale put it over the glass. Kale like, put it over the glass for, so he... for another delay a game penalty, and then the the Byron penalty on uh, Tyler Mott. I did not agree with. He, I mean, he, I was a makeup call. He was he was a victim of a makeup call on that play. Yeah. That's that's not a hook. That's good defense. They wanted to get a penalty on the Abs because they called four straight on Tampa in that period. That's all that is. Oh, which, which I hate more than anything. If you feel like you made the right calls, you don't need to make up calls. You don't need to do the game managing part. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a penalty to Colorado that Tyler Mott trips Nathan McKinnon blatantly and gives the Avs a five on three. Uh, that should not be a penalty to the Avs because that's a blatant penalty. Right. On. There, there should not be a quota that you need to get that back. Right. But that's a penalty. I've always been in favor of if you see a penalty, call it. You don't have to avoid stuff. Or if a team genuinely takes like 15 penalties and is just being undisciplined and dirty, you don't need to call 15 on the other team too. Right. It, it, and I just love that it's just part of like hockey commentary now where it's like, all right, the Avs are taking three straight penalties. That means for sure the next one's going on the other team. Yeah, like you, you know if you're starting the third period on like an early power play, you can probably safely assume that's the last power play you're getting outside yes. of something egregious. I just love how that's the rhetoric when it comes to it. But yeah, I mean, do... Bo's taken a lot of stupid penalties, man. And I don't know if the delay of games are bad luck or just not having situational awareness. It's both. It's both. Like it's he leads the league now in minor penalties. Take it. He leads the league. It's a young player thing. He's been undisciplined and he's frustrated right now. It's he's very clearly frustrated yes. at the moment. And I don't want to put Bo under the bus here, but I will say to the people that have wanted Sam Gerard out of the lineup. This is what happens when Sam Gerard's not there to be your number three. Someone else has got to be number three. And right now, Bo is, is kind of drowning in that role at the moment. This is not me puffing out my chest in victory because I, I want Bo to do well. He's one of my favorite players. But Sam Gerard's an important guy. And this team, they they miss him a lot. They miss him dearly. Uh, but Bo will get it figured out. It's just... It can be maddening, and this is just where it comes with young players. It, yeah. it, it, he still only played, like, what we say, 112 games in the NHL? Yeah. like, this was probably around that 112 games at this point. Like, what I'm drawing from this is I can throw away my hot take from the start of the season that he will get a Norris vote. I don't think that's going to happen yeah. anymore. I will take improvement from him. I just want to see him calm down, play Bo Byram hockey, be aggressive, be skilled. He has all the tool sets, but... I remember still a young guy, 22 years old, and there's going to be points where he does dumb stuff like this. This is the way players learn. I said it last episode and it's frustrating. It sucks, but there's really, you can't scratch them. You're missing pretty important guys on the back end right now. You can't really afford to be scratching Byram at the moment, but there's, there's gotta be more from him at the end of the day. He knows it. Bednar knows it. The whole organization knows it. I think it is going to come with him, but it, it is going to be a process that's not just one day going to be fixed. Yeah, I, I think if he shows by the end of the year he's a solid number, like top four defenseman, I'd be happy with that. Like you can play him top four minutes in the playoffs and be like, yep, we're good. Yeah, and he's and he's been able to do that in the yeah. past. He just Because this is not a kid who hasn't proved it at the NHL level. He has proved it at the NHL level, just in smaller sample sizes. But if he's going to be healthy for this entire season, if he can get back to that, then this team is going to be in fantastic shape. Yes. Yes. So 
the penalties will go down. Luckily, the penalty kill was terrific against Tampa Bay. And the power play gets a goal. Georgiev was phenomenal. I mean, all in all, th- this was a pretty good abs game. The only thing I really didn't like is they gave up a lot of shots to Tampa. But like you said at the beginning, this Tampa didn't play bad. I thought Tampa actually played really fucking good in this game. I thought the Avs did a lot to neutralize Tampa in this game. Obviously, it helps when you go up early and you're up 3-0 early in the second period. But I, I think Bednar put it pretty well after the game is that he liked the team game. And Tampa, they're down three goals and then two goals in the third period. They're shooting a lot. They're shooting a lot from the outside. And Georgiev had to make a couple of big saves. But most of those shots weren't super dangerous. And also most of them came in the final 10 minutes, which was really funny because I think Tampa ended up with how many shots in the third period? They ended up with a lot, but I remember for the first 10, they only had like two. They had like one in the first 10 minutes. They finished with 12 in the third period. 11 of those shots came in the last 10 minutes when they're down two goals and desperately pushing. I think the shot total got a little skewed. It makes it look like Tampa dominated. But even then, you look at a lot of the scoring chances, the high danger scoring chances, the Avs had a lot more of those, yeah. and that really did even out. We look at the deserved to win meter and everything, which is a good way to, to balance all of that out. It still had the Avs as they should have won this game, which I do I do agree with. I don't always agree with deserved to win, but in this case, the Avs played a really good game. And yeah, Tampa had 39 shots in this game. The Avs, they, they did a good job at neutralizing what Tampa does best. And it helps that Georgiev, was on top of his shit, stopping a Nikita Kucherov breakaway in the first period and making some big saves to to keep the abs comfortable in this game. Because if he wasn't, we're talking about this game in a different manner because they yes. lost. Yes, 100%. What did we predict on the last episode? I, I think you mm-hmm. said they were, you thought they might lose. Yeah, I said four to two Tampa would win. I think you said the abs would win. I think we were, I think you said they'd lose to Calgary. Am I making that up? Or no, I, I think might you, have said no. they lose to Calgary. I, I can't remember. I, don't, I can't I don't remember. remember. But, but I think, we both we both didn't have like thinking the abs were gonna go in and dominate this game. I, I think I think you had the abs winning in overtime. I had them losing. I think we both had them beating Calgary, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, the point is is we thought this game was gonna be close. And yeah. it was. It was between was. two very I, good Honestly, I think the game, the game I think kind of went the way I was expecting it to, maybe just outside of Ryan Johansson potting too yeah. against Tampa. And Georgiev had his best game of the season, and the special teams were outstanding. That is a great recipe for success when you have your second line center potting two, the most valuable player in the world, Kale McCarr, potting a super important goal as well, and just good, solid team play. You're starting to see this team round into form a little bit shaking off some of the the new guys and the early season rust and everything and it's it's weird looking at this team right now at the quarter mark as we kind of look at this team 21 games into the season they've lost six games which is not a lot they've won the most games i think of anyone in the western conference so far to this point they've won 15 games vegas has won 14 vancouver's won 14 dallas has only won 12 abs are the only team in the west at 15 at the moment but those six losses they've been magnificent they stick out so badly because every single one of them has just been so catastrophically bad shutouts blowouts those two blown games in the final minute like those added up but you look at them right now 30 points 714 points percentage top of the central one point behind Vegas with a game in hand and a better points percentage and have won seven of their last eight. 
and still things they need to work on and figure out. But this is a damn good hockey team. It is very funny because we look at this team and some of the episodes we've had on here. They're on pace for 117 points. Yeah, they're on, <laughs> they're on pace for a like a season close to when they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Do I think they're going to get to 117? No, I think they'll end up in like that 110, 113 range. Even then, we're, we're talking two to three wins yeah. at that like, point. They could very much do that. It's just, it's so weird because all the losses have been so magnificent and we've just buried them into our brains of being so bad, but they've shown a lot of good. This team has potential to be a very good hockey team. And I forget, it may have been Jay Fresh tweeted out something where I think the Avs and the Kings are right up yeah, there. Yeah, I know. What you're, so the, the thing they you tweeted. average goaltending or something yeah, like if, that. If every team got average goaltending and average shooting percentage for the rest of the season, where would they finish? The Kings had like 120 and yeah. the Avs had like 117. Right. They were one and two. And obviously that's not how the season is going to go, but that's just, I think that's a good moniker of looking at where teams are at, where it's just, if everything was normal, here's where they'd be. But obviously that's why you play. The Did game. you see where Boston would be if they got, if they got theirs, they, they would have been middle of the pack. I think they said like 92 points. That's pretty funny. And that's for the rest of the season with the points they already banked. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it, it is, it is kind of indicative and it kind of actually like the stats, didn't back me up there where we were talking about the Oilers, but I think they had the Oilers finishing like right around like 88 points if they got average stuff. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting thing. The goaltending was a question mark for a good month of the season, I'd say, it's but I, I feel good about him now. I mean, Georgiev, every goaltender goes through a slump and Georgiev, hopefully he got his slump out of the way and he'll be back to the Georgiev we saw last night. Honestly, I will say that Georgiev put his slump kind of at a perfect time where the yeah. team is also playing shit and he's not wasting those performances in front of them, like multiple shutouts, multiple like blowout games in front of them. Like, yeah, there were a couple of games where maybe if you get some saves, you win those games, but not enough of them where you can be super critical. And I would have been worried if he started the season like that and it continued until sure. now, because then you could look at this like an anomaly but yes. he started the season so strong and then just one game, it kind of fell off for a little while. And last season he was so strong. And now he looks like he's rounding back into that form again. And now that Prozvatov has had a strong game against Calgary, you feel more comfortable putting him in some of those games. You don't have to run Georgiev into the ground. Right. And the goaltending's back. The finishing, McKinnon won't start finishing for uh, probably another month uh, when it comes to the goal scoring. But, I mean, the biggest thing I've taken away from this is the depth has carried this team so far that we've yeah. talked about how much we love the third line. McKinnon and Ranton have been good when it comes to assists, but they haven't been scoring a ton of goals. Uh, I can't remember the last time Miko scored a goal, honestly. It's been a minute. And it, the depth has really been the key to the Avs winning games, which if we would have said that last year, shit, the Avs probably could have won a cup last year if they had this third and fourth line that they, they do. This they year. would have. If they had yeah. Wood, Colton, O'Connor playing this way last year, they're at least Western Conference final. At least. They put up a good fight against Vegas. I think, like, Vegas, I think, was just good last year. The Avs had more problems outside of that last year, too. They would have beaten Seattle. I, I think they would have taken care of Dallas. Yes. And Vegas, I think, would have been a coin toss. And they would have beaten Florida if they got they that. They would have. They would have. It, it, it was 
that's where I feel better about this team and why I'm more confident is because we are getting that depth scoring. Now it has to continue throughout the whole year. We're one quarter into the season, but so far the depth, and this was after some slow starts for them too. Like Ross Colton didn't get his first goal till, I mean, the Islanders game technically was his first goal, but he didn't really get his first goal till a couple games later. Yeah. The blues. Was, game. That was, that was yeah. this month was his first yeah. goal against a goalie. And now he's at seven already before yeah. the month's even over. He's looked good. I mean, you brought up Kiwi Ranta, who I, it's still kind of shocking that he didn't make the team out of camp, but he's been a tremendous fit on the fourth line. cagliano has been solid. Uh, Frederick Olsen's kind of surprised me. I think he's better than I expected for that fourth line. Yeah. Miles Wood hasn't scored a ton, but he's so he's such a pain in the ass to play against. Honestly, Wood, Wood has seven points in 21 games, which is a point every three games. That's perfect. perfect. For third That's yeah. perfect for what Miles Wood does. And honestly, Wood is better than I thought he was going to be. I was excited yeah. to see how he'd fit in this lineup. He is an av. The him and Ross Colton were avs. They just weren't drafted here. Yeah, they fit this system so perfectly. They're both such good skaters, and they work so well together. They do. This third line, I, I cannot give them enough praise. They've done their jobs, outside of a couple of iffy plays, almost perfectly this entire season. Miles Wood, so far, he hasn't taken a stupid penalty yet. He's going to take one just because the way his play style is, he will take one. but Ross Colton's been great. Logan O'Connor, we talked about he's his goal scoring has slowed down, but that third line of him uh, joining uh, Colton and Wood has worked out really well. That's just a pain in the ass line to play against. I mean, he, he's genuinely taken a step this season because yes. even though he isn't scoring, he's closer than he was in previous right. seasons where if Logan O'Connor had a quote unquote scoring chance, you could throw it away. He's at least threatening in these situations now. And with O'Connor, I don't care about goal scoring from him. He does all of the little things so well. He, like you mentioned earlier, fantastic on the penalty kill. Yes. Such a strong defensive forward and so good at opening up ice for other people that he's probably not going to finish with more than like 12 goals on the season if he even gets that far. But I'm not worried about that in the slightest. He has been a perfect complimentary forward. It's been a totally different story compared to last year. Because weren't we saying in the preseason, as long as Logan O'Connor doesn't play, third-line minutes will be good? Yeah. And now it's like, well, we can kind of shut up about that because he's gotten better. So he's he's gotten a lot better. I love that third line. The second line we already talked about, they're getting better. But, I mean, and you know the top line is going to start scoring more goals. You know they are. That's and Val scoring. Val scoring on the top line. You, you know McKinnon and Ranton are going to start scoring goals here again soon. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, 
back to the episode. And that's the thing. Like there are still things that need to come together with this team and they're still getting these results against good teams right now. Tampa is a good team. Their record doesn't really reflect that right now. They have a lot of overtime losses that are keeping them in the playoff hunt right now, but that's a good team. And now they're getting healthier. They have Nikita Kucherov leading the league in points and the Avs, they took care of business against them too. And McKinnon is going to get going more. Ranton already has 12 goals and 27 points on the season, and you still know there is another level to his game. Kale McCarr is on that level right now. Outside of a couple of brain farts, he's had the best month in Avalanche history for a defenseman with, I can't even keep track of how many points he has at this point this month, but he's been phenomenal. And like you, you need Byram to get going more. You can get Tatar, Duran, and Johansson to even be better than they are. And you don't even have Gerard. You don't have Lekin in. And you're still doing this. Still doing good. That's the exciting part. But also, it's just it's a long season. But a quarter into the season, it, feel, like, it feels like we've played like 50 games already. And we've only played 20. Yeah, it, it's it weird. Feels, I, I feel the opposite. I still feel like we just started. I'm like, oh, oh no, dude. Wow. I feel like the season's been big dragging. Not dragging, like it, it's going by perfectly normal, but it's just been such lows already in this year with those losses that it feels like the season's been going on forever. As I, I just feel like we're already at twenty five percent. I feel like we just dropped the puck, dude. But it's mind blowing to me that December is in like two days. Yeah, like that's blowing my mind. We're getting, we're getting. It's less than a month till Christmas. This dude, point. it was sixty degrees here in Denver today. I wore shorts on November twenty eighth. Is, what, what the fuck are we doing here, man? It's 30 degrees here in the wondrous state of Maryland right now. Yeah, so it, it's the abs are looking pretty good. I feel pretty confident about where they're at, um, but also a ton of things to work on. But that's – I'll take being at 30 points and having things to work on. It, yeah. Give me that all day. You know, and a team like Vegas, they're 3-5-2 and two in their last 10 games. They started the season super hot. They have very much come back down to earth. They've only won three games – since they've beaten the Avs and they've beaten the Sharks, the Habs, and the Stars in overtime. And they've lost the rest of those games. A couple of those have been shutouts, too. Yeah, they're so, playing Edmonton tonight, which you already know the result of it. But that, that's going to be a big game, I feel like. That's going to be that's going to be a fun game. But that's what I mean. Teams go through these stretches. They go yes. through the ups and downs. And the Avs, they've had some towns this season, but they've been contained within how much of it is just how good they were in the cup year where like after october or november it was like they just never had a down spot and it's just they also didn't have anyone healthy ever last season True. like that's what i just think about i think like most teams do this we're just spoiled with the fact that the abs in their cup year they didn't have a down spot after those Columbus games. They just, they went like, what, like 54 and eight the rest of the year. Like like they, they lost those two games to Columbus and they were just like you know, nah. what if we just never lost ever? Yeah, it was that meme where comedy. they literally just sat forward in the chair and then, oh, they went 16 and four of the playoffs. I think that's where it wrecks with, like, messes with my brain a little bit because that season was so dominant that for them to be a normal team like any other NHL team, you're like, okay, this makes sense. Right. And that, like, last year, they're just so hurt and so injured, barely even the same team, still win the division. Yeah, they got bounced in the first round, but still a really close series. Now I think you're starting to see that team come back again, even though it's not the same, obviously, as that incredibly dominant team. This is a healthy team that's able to 
healthy-ish way. Yeah, healthy-ish team compared to last year. Healthy, yeah. Like considered, like I consider this unquestionably to be a healthy team compared to yeah. where we were last year. They're still rounding into form. They're making mistakes. They still have things they have to work on. And they're playing pretty well. Their last four games, they've beaten Vancouver, who's the the story of this season with how hot they've been. They had to grind out a tough win in Minnesota, who we will talk about in a minute. And Calgary, who the night before beat Dallas with a a seven spot in their building. And then they go and they take down Tampa on Monday. And they've they're playing well. And not to even mention the before the the Nashville meltdown, that three-nothing comeback in Dallas. They're getting good results. And they're only going to keep getting better. There's going to be down spots for the rest Always. of the But for the quarter mark, I'm I'm very encouraged. And honestly, I like that we're not just like running away with like the president's trophy right now with like two <laughs> losses. Cause that's like because then everyone's looking at you as like, oh, the president's that's trophy curse. Like we'd be talking about that already. The president's trophy curse and all that. And he can't waste this year. I like where we're at right now, making solid, steady progress. And they're putting themselves in a good spot to win the Central. And if this team plays like I think they're capable of in the playoffs, I think they've got something cooking here. I think they got something cooking, and it's very, very important as we see how the Western Conference is shaking out, where there are six good playoff teams. Getting that first round and facing one of these wildcard teams who at the moment are below 500 and don't have more losses than wins, that's going to be very critical that you avoid a second Second, two versus three. Granted, the Central, there's two good teams, and Winnipeg's good, but it's going to be very crucial to get that one seed. Yeah, I I think Winnipeg's better than we expected them to be. They seem like they've kind of grown a little bit. If they just avoid the late season collapse, they will get true. They will get top three walking away in this division this year. And if if the season was to end today, the Avs would be obviously on top of the Central. They'd still be, they'd be behind L.A., actually in terms of points percentage. Interesting. The Kings are at a seven six three. The, the Kings Avs are good, are, man. We've talked about it. The Kings yeah, are good. They've won five in a row. So the, the Avs would still be technically the two seed in the West. They'd play the wild card one blues in round one. And the, the Nashville Predators are a five hundred hockey team and are in the playoffs in terms of point percentage. Crazy. Yeah. The West stinks. There's six good teams in the West. And I don't even know if it's six good teams. There's six Playoff team. I, I think there is four elite teams. It's Colorado, Dallas, Vegas, LA. Vancouver could be sneaky. And but my point being is that six of the eight playoff spots in the Western Conference, I feel like, are locked up. Yeah, those are locked uh, up, and that's going to be the wild card the rest yeah. of the way. Agreed. So and even even then, I think Edmonton's going to comfortably get one of those. Yes, I agree. I agree. But overall, I'm happy with where the abs are at. Um, any other mid-season thoughts before we move on to the NHL recap? Because holy shit, there was a lot that happened <laughs> since our last episode. I mean, not that I haven't already said. I mean, I do want to also give a shout out to the fourth line. Like we mentioned earlier, Freddie Olsen's been fantastic. Kiwi Ranta didn't make the team out of camp. We didn't even know if we were going to keep him, even though he was great in the preseason and yes. in camp. And then comes in from game one. Can't take him out. Too good. Great. Just too great. Like even in in these games where he's not scoring a ton anymore, he's still playing solid fourth line minutes. Like I said, Freddie Olsen's fantastic. Andrew Cagliano is Andrew Cagliano. Dependable as the day is long. The just smart hockey, especially for his age, and a great vocal leader in the locker room. Yep, every really most of everything you could want out of the fourth line, and 
You still have the option for Riley Tufty, who's back down in the AHL at the moment. Like you've got you've got depth here for the first time, honestly. For the first time in a long time. It, yeah. It's good. It's good. And you're gonna probably and your Kovalenko coming in midseason is going to be either going to be awesome or that's gonna be such an interesting thing because yeah. like someone's got to come out for that little experiment. Cause that's, what's going to be, you're going to even see if he can play in the NHL, right? Right. Now. Cause he signed an NHL deal. He can't go to the AHL. Can he? No, he's coming to play here. And yeah. he, when he comes over, he's going to play in the NHL and we'll see if it works or not. I hope it does, but I hope so too. I'll be cool if it does, but yeah, th- there's a lot of exciting things for the Avs. but let's, let's recap some other NHL stuff because Holy shit, dude, did we have, a lot of craziness happened. Where, where yeah. do we even want to start? I'm glad we, because we could have recorded last night. I yeah. was half asleep by the time the game ended, so that wouldn't have worked. Glad we waited an extra day we did to, to get everything that fell through first. Uh, let's start with the the least dramatic and say something that we probably have called for a little bit here. Uh, Dean Evison gets fucking canned by Minnesota as they are now on a seven-game losing streak. They got beat up real bad by the Red Wings on Sunday. They lost 4-1, to one, and that was enough to give Dean Evison the boot. And they wild bring in John Hines as their new head coach. And got to say, that does not move me at all. Nope. I don't know what exactly that's going to be fixing, other than getting a new voice in the room, but that is a recycled coach. Recycle coach, they're winning 2-1 against the Blues as we speak right now. Yeah. What, second period? Uh, Just into the first. Okay. But, I mean, it was a move we had called for. I don't really call for it. I, I think Dean Evison kind of got jobbed here. He, he, I think he's a good coach. Like, if you recycle a coach, would you be okay? Obviously, the abs aren't going to get him. But he, the Wild these past couple years have outperformed expectations. Yeah. Where the roster should be at. However, I also think a lot of that was due to goaltending where they were able to get high percentages out of guys like Cam Talbot, Philip Gustafson, and Marc-Andre Fleury, where they're they're able to get insanely high totals from Ryan Hartman and Matt Zuccarello. And now you're seeing a lot of those results come back down to earth at the same time. How much of that is Dean Evason? How much of that is everything coming together at the same time? I think that's a fair question to ask as well. But I think Dean Evason is a great coach to have when things are going well. When things are going bad, I don't know if that's the guy because he seems like the kind of coach that wears his emotions on his sleeve, which is weird for a guy with the steel face. He's very emotional about things in game. Like last year against Winnipeg going over to fight bonus and then in the playoffs against the Stars last year, like he bitching up a storm. And then his dying breath is calling out the abs for diving and that's the reason they lost that yeah that whole situation was just weird like dean evanson it went from kill mccarr's flopping to now it's miko rantanen flopping like what who was he talking about diving in that play it was weird i get your point of him being like he does wear his heart on his sleeve i guess that is a good point because why am i blanking on the blues barube He's awesome when the blues are good, but when they're bad, it's like, oh, he's kind of a bitch. <laughs> he's just kind of a whiny bitch. Yeah. And I just think he brought out a lot of the worst parts of that team where you can get the the wild to emotion themselves to a win. 
but it's also very easy for them to get riled up and make themselves victims and everything. It's one of the things I fucking hate about them is just they're they're always complaining and whining. And Everson was at the epicenter of a lot of it. And I don't think there was a lot of accountability uh, for the start of this season. But I also do agree with your point that he did not make Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury be an 881 and an 875 and have their team shooting percentage crash through the roof. Yeah, I, I think I saw another one of those analytical things that Jay Fresh tweeted out where the uh, Stuart Skinner was ahead of both Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury in expected goals. Yeah, I, I, that's how bad their goaltending's been. Yeah, it's it's not good whatsoever. Like, and Kaprizov is under a point per game. He's shooting at like 7% right now. As their leading point score is Zuccarello right Very now. Very funny. Matt Boldy only has one goal. Joel Erickson Eck, who I, I drafted on my fast team, has been like the only good player on that team the entire yeah. season. Their depth does not exist. Like, no. Freddie, Freddie Gaudreau has goose eggs. Marcus Foligno has seven points, who they just signed to an extension, right? Like, they just. Yeah. This is what we were talking about when they signed these extensions for Zuccarello and Hartman and Felino. It's like, you're not getting this. You're not getting more of these performances. You're spinning the wheels on the same team over and over again, which is the Minnesota Wild special. And they're going to go and g- give Dean Evison the can for it. When I've been wondering about this for a while, is like, are we sure Bill Guerin really is that great of a general manager? Because I've questioned it from the get-go where he immediately strapped himself to a 14 almost 15 million dollar handcuff for like four years and both of those players like ryan Suter, is not terrible for the stars I, I parisi, parisi parisi is bad. you could have waited another year or two to buy these guys out i feel like i think parisi was inevitable eventually i think that yes. pickup was was coming i think they could have stuck out ryan Suter. I think that's like, you didn't have to do both of them at the same time. Like, yeah, he's not the same guy he was when he was at his best and was really good for the wild for a long time. But is this worth it instead where you have two $7.3 million cap hits on the book for this season and next before those costs finally start to go back down and you're, you're wasting Kirill Kaprizov. You're wasting the best years of his career. He's 26 right now. By the time they actually have the financial ability to feel the team around him, he's going to be 28. Yeah, it's not good. The Wild are in a bad spot. They couldn't happen to a better franchise and fan base. So, yeah. And John Hines is very funny. I, I thought they were going to go Bruce Boudreau, honestly. That's who I thought they were going to bring in. Well, that, that was two coaches ago, right? I know, but I just thought yeah. Bruce Boudreau would, would oh, be. Man, I, love, I, love Bruce Boudreau. I, I wouldn't want him to go to Minnesota again. I love no. I love Bruce too much for to have yeah. that happen. But John Hines, like I think that's the lamest option. Yes. Like just the most boring recycled option. It's like, yeah, this guy's a coach. He's coached teams. And he's coached very mediocre teams. Yeah, he he coached uh a bad Devils team for four years. They made the playoffs once, and a Nashville team that occasionally snuck into the playoffs. And got smoked in the first round every time. Yep. Well, they won two overtime games against the Hurricanes that one time. So, oh yeah, I forgot about that. The weird COVID year. Yeah, Good that, time, Good yeah, that, I lo- that that series is so fascinating to me because it's just a random East versus West matchup that happened in the yeah. first round. But again, before we get off topic, just a very safe. I don't even want to say safe. Just boring hire. Like, yeah, it's a guy who's coaching. Bland, Joe. Bland hire. Yeah. And um, I don't look at that and go, oh no, 
Oh, the wild, they fixed it. They solved it. Like they might make the playoffs if they turn it around, I guess. You know how funny it would be if they brought back Mike Yo? That would remember him. Those are good times. The wild just they know they know how to find them, don't they? Yeah, they do. It, it's just it's the NHL thing we've talked about with coaching carousel. It, it's just recycling head coaches and the ones who are actually good. You look at Jared Bednar, hired out of the ECHL. John Cooper was I forget where John Cooper even was before this, but he it's an NHL job. He's one of the best coaches. Mike Sullivan was the AHL coach. Yeah, he was in Wilkesbury. Yeah, he was the AHL coach. Um, trying to think of other good coaches. I, yeah, I'm, I'm running out of names, but it, it's just annoying when they recycle coaches and these young guys don't get a shot. Like Carberry in uh, Washington. Yeah, they started slow, but the Caps look better. Carberry, Carberry is a is a great coach. There's just not a lot of talent for him there right. in Washington right now, and that's another guy who's started in the AHL for right. a long time. And this this is his first time as a head coach. He was an assistant with the Leafs for two years, and he was the head coach of the Hershey Bears before that. Like a guy who genuinely worked his way up the ranks. Yeah, and they don't get those chances, so that that's the annoying part to me. But good for the Wild. Sorry for Dean Evison is just funny. Like I, I'm gonna miss oh, Dean Evison. He's, he's hilarious. Now that he's not the Wild head coach, that guy is hilarious. Yeah, like he's going. I'm going to miss him because we aren't going to get that drama that we had in between the Wild and the Flames and Lightning game, where it's, we're not going to get that drama anymore. Like, that, that that was be- beautiful. Um, but yeah. Good for the Wild. Let, let's move on. Uh, the long-awaited Patrick Kane saga is over. He signs a one-year deal with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, cool. I, I I still just – it's like we've talked about, man. This hip resurfacing surgery is – it's not good news, man. Like, people think he's going to come in and make the Red Wings – he's not, man. He If he gets 30 points, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair benchmark for him for the rest of the season. No training camp, hasn't played since April, doesn't play defense already, even when he was healthy. Coming off of a surgery that four players have had at the end of the Backstrom is indefinitely retired until further notice, until he either officially retires or comes back. Ryan Kessler never played again. Carl Hagelin never played again. And there's one guy whose name... Hagelin had it? I thought his was the guy. It was both. Oh, Jesus, poor guy, man. He had hip resurfacing surgery and then like had his eye gouged out in practice. Yeah, so, okay. Probably a little bit of a skewed stat there. There's another guy whose name I just forget. But was also, it Mark Mathot or was he the one who had the same surgery? No, as that, that, there's also like the, the labrum surgery that a lot of people have that people are getting right. confused with it. But the hip resurfacing surgery, to my knowledge, has happened four times and only Backstrom has even played again and did not look good. He was the slowest player in the NHL. Yeah, statistically the slowest player in the NHL. And Patrick Kane, is he going to do something? Probably. But if if you really are expecting Patrick Kane to come in and turn the Red Wings from a fringe playoff team into a contender, there's going to be an awakening there. There It's going to sell some tickets. It's going to sell some tickets. I'm excited to see him play with Dabrinkit again because Dabrinkit was at his best with Kane. But yeah, I'm just glad that we don't have to worry about him coming to the abs anymore. That, that's for the I'm not so sick of that rumor. And it's gonna happen again this offseason. Yeah, next year. Next year it'll happen again. Like assuming like his career just does not immediately flame out and he's back to play yeah. again next year. 
then the rumors are going to start again. It's like, oh, Patrick Kane to the Avs, Patrick Kane to the Avs. And, you know, th- this time we promise Patrick Kane to the Avs. You're going to have the They're same. Smoke, like, yeah. The same. Getting the, the same rumors. It's like, oh, it's only a matter of time for Patrick Kane ends up on the Avs. It's not going to happen. They don't want to happen. Dude, like, doesn't hip research, like, anything involving the hip surgery just seems like a terrible surgery to have, I, man. I, I looked it up a while ago. Like, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the it kind just, of thing. It looks bad. And it's just like your hips are so important, but you don't even realize it, especially when you're a hockey player. Hip resurfacing just doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound – it sounds like it's a quality of life surgery so that when you're done playing hockey, you can actually walk around, which, good. That's the whole point of it. But, yeah, it just does not sound good. It doesn't. No, it does not. And for Patrick Kane, again, mentioned guy does not play a lot of defense, even if he didn't have the hip resurfacing surgery. Has not done a training camp, has has no chemistry with anyone other than to bring it on the team. It's not like he's going to start with him right away. They're not going to throw him on the top line. Right. They're going to have to start him probably on the third line to get his legs under him. And we've seen in the past, like guys who miss training camp generally have rough seasons, even when they do have functioning hips. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just glad that saga's over. I'm surprised you got what do you end up getting? 2.5? 2.75, I think, which immediately takes the abs out of the conversation. Like yes. there were rumored to be teams like the Sabres and the Panthers and the Leafs that were into that. The abs were not even mentioned. I'm sure they <laughs> I'm sure they did their homework, but just a, a non-viable option. Nope. Not gonna happen. And good. I'm glad that saga's over. It will be fun to see him in Detroit. Like it, it'll be fun. Yeah. Be, I saw a good joke where he's just trying to collect all the original six sweaters with his name on it. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it now that we have an answer because I was getting really tired of being like, oh, Patrick Kane makes sense here. And then everyone being like, Patrick Kane's going to Buffalo or the abs where it's just like no one actually knew anything. No, I think we can admit that now that all the insiders tweeting this, they were guessing like because they all said Florida Before speculation. Florida. Yeah, they all said Florida and Buffalo for a while. Like they loosely said Detroit, but I'm just glad we don't have to hear about this saga anymore. I was very over it. I'm just so glad the saga's over and we can just move on with it. Um, he's just, yeah, it's not going to be good. But let's talk about his former team. Let's talk about his former team because, boy, oh, boy, was there some news to come out of that. Um, the internet ran wild with it. For those of you who don't know, Corey Perry is put on unconditional waivers today. And the way that the Hawks phrase this makes it seem like something did happen but he gets put on unconditional waivers. The rumor that was speculating all over the internet. And I had fun with it. Everyone had fun with it because it is the Hawks. And it's fun it's to make the fun Hawks with it. and Corey Perry. Yeah. Which is a, a devilish combination. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's bad. Um, but the rumor was that Corey Perry got kicked off the team because he, he hooked up with Connor Bedard's mom. Um, that has been denied by everyone. And it's pretty much been proven false. But when you read that press release, it makes it seem like something did happen with a player and, and a family. But even the Richardson, their their GM, came out and said, no, that didn't happen. Yeah, like it, 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 I, I want to believe I, it's true. I have my thoughts on this. I will start it with I don't like that Connor Bedard got dragged into this. The yeah. eight- the 18-year-old and his well-functioning family who had nothing to do with this. Yeah, are, are his parents still married? Yeah. He's okay, got, all he's right. He's got like a fully functioning family. And again, 18-year-old child. Yeah. Like this just is a rumor in poor taste from 
what what was the account hockey insider with like four r's i think that's what you told me yeah. and it was it was a screenshot of a text of a guy saying he heard from a guy which i'm sorry does not inspire confidence no. that that is real and that that happened but this took off like wildfire because that was the only thing anyone had seen about this because Corey Perry one day just disappeared off the team and no one knew why or where he was because he wasn't hurt and no one had any answer. And so we got from an aggregator account that he uh, had, what's the a proper podcasting word? <laughs> he hooked up. He hooked up. Yeah. Anyway, did not happen. I have... N- I completely doubt that that ever happened and it's been denied vehemently. However, the phrasing of it today when the Blackhawks announced that he was put on unconditional waivers to have his contract terminated due to unprofessional conduct. There was a 10 second span where I was like, holy shit. Did he, he did it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it when I read it. I was like, holy fuck, dude, it happened. It's there's gotta be. We'll never know. We will never know. It was a day later. It was yeah. a day after. It was a day started. later that this news broke. And then immediately, a day later, he's kicked off of the team for, I want to, I want to get the exact word. Statement. Word. Yeah. No, Poss- it, it, possible misconduct involving Corey Perry last week before he was pulled from the lineup. And they called it a, a workplace matter. Timing, is, ev- timing <laughs> yes. is everything, guys. If you released this two days ago, you would have beaten it. You would have beaten it, but it's just I the I the tweets that have been from this have been just the best. Like there was, did you see that one? Like, oh, the Blackhawks holding up like integrity values. It's right? So- it's like what, he got kicked off the Blackhawks. Yeah. It's been so funny. What I do feel bad for Connor Bedard. Like I do feel bad for Connor Bedard because yeah, he's that, he's that, catching that. a lot of strays here, but this is just a perfect shitstorm of beautiful Twitter and just reading. Like I saw Corey Perry was trending. I don't know if he did the same thing. I just clicked on his name and just was laughing my ass off for like an hour just reading these tweets. Yeah, it was fantastic. I like I fully do draw the line at dragging eighteen year old Connor Bedard yeah. and his family into this for a, a nothing rumor. However. It's funny. It was kind of funny. It's very funny. It's it's very, funny. It was a very fucked up funny because like pretty fucked up, but you know, still funny at the same time. And again, it's the Blackhawks. Yeah. Who is really, really and Corey Perry in the benefit of the doubt. And Corey Perry, not the nicest person to ever walk the earth. No, I'm pretty Perfect. sure he's married too. I mean, we'll see. I, I just want to know what happened. And that's the first, like I, they don't have to tell us. But I just want to know what happened because it's so hard to get put on unconditional waivers. We were talking about before Milan Lucic, who is suspected of domestic violence, is still on the Bruins. Right. Who is currently like was arrested and under investigation yes. for that, is still a Boston Bruin. And the Blackhawks right. completed their investigation and put Corey Perry on unconditional waivers. Right. Terminate his contract effective immediately. So my main concern is, OK. Let's say that didn't happen, and it probably didn't. What, what did he do? What did happen? Right, here? <laughs> right. Because like, now I'm concerned that that it's worse. Yeah. Like, did he kill someone? Like, what? What? what we don't know. We don't know. 
And Corey Perry wants to someone. No, I don't think he did either. But like Corey Perry's statement was he's dealing with a family issue. Okay, yeah, and that was like last week. Right. Where, and that's he's and that doesn't make any sense TV. either because if he's that dealing with yeah, because if he's dealing with a family issue, how's he getting terminated on unconditional waivers unless he bangs someone's mom? Like, that's it's the, it's the only, only option. It's the only thing like, that could have happened. That's the family issue he's got to deal with. I don't know, man. Yeah, there's this, a family. Yeah, there's a family issue happening. There's a family issue. He's got a new son. <laughs> yeah, it's just the whole thing. I love the ones like they brought in Corey Perry to be a father figure to Connor Bedard. That one made me laugh. Very poor choice of words. Yeah, that one made me laugh. Um, but the whole thing is just. In a way, we were talking about this too. This whole season now is just falling perfectly for Chicago. It was, um, but yeah, like Taylor Hall out for the year with a torn ACL. That sucks. Connor Bedard's been great. The Hawks still suck. They're going to get a top five pick, and the ownership can say, Hey, we tried by signing these guys, and yeah. they're going to just be even sicker. Like, yeah. It sucks. They did their they did their best to bring fans in the building. Everyone they signed is off the team for the rest of the year. And now Bedard can do his thing alone and they can probably still get Cole Iserman in the draft, yeah. which is ridiculous. I also, I was able to finally find the statement that after an internal investigation, the Chicago Blackhawks have determined that Corey Perry has engaged in conduct that is unacceptable in violation of both the terms of his standard players contract and the Blackhawks internal policies intended to promote professional and safe work environments. As such, Corey Perry has been placed on unconditional waivers. Saying that in that way, a day later, you took a, a campfire and poured gas on it. Yeah. And now it is a forest fire. And I don't know if we'll ever know what happened because, mm-hmm. because also because we don't know what happened, there could be like they have obligations, legal sure. obligations to other people, perhaps other companies that they cannot disclose this information. That's always a very real possibility. What was the name of the reporter who brought out all the Kyle Beach stuff? Oh, man. Something? Rick Westhead. Yeah, we need him to get on the case. Yeah, Rick Westhead had all that. But again, the Blackhawks and Corey Perry, not exactly squeaky clean in terms of everything. But the, the Bedard thing is funny for a little while, but also like, he's going to see that stuff. His family's going to see that stuff. Like, and that's, that stops being funny. As that well. sucks. Cause that you can't, you can't use the, Oh, they're millionaires thing on Bedard. Cause he's 18 yeah. and it makes an entry level contract. He's close to a millionaire. He's, he's close to a millionaire. He's ma- he makes more money than I will see in a long time, but he's yeah. not on the same standard as maybe some of these other guys. And also 18 year old layoff. Yeah. 18. Ah, that's crazy. But uh, did he score tonight? Nope, he hasn't scored tonight, Bedard. Um, but yeah, that was very funny. Uh, any other NHL news we need to talk about? Uh, I don't think anything super pressing. Uh, did you it, see? Did you see that Scott Darling quote today? I did not. He was on a, a podcast um, with Pete Blackburn. Uh, that new one, uh, Chaos Show, I think is what it's called. I forget, but he Scott Darling basically said the NHL PA assistance program is the biggest crock of shit. And it wasn't the greatest uh wasn't the greatest thing to hear that Sam Gerard went into it after what Darling said. So if you haven't seen it, go go check it out. But it, I watched that and I was like, well, fuck. He basically encouraged the players to go and try and help themselves on their own. That the NHL, the assistance program is just trying to get you to get out of your contract. Again, I have not watched this video, but the leading quote is 
fuck them, they're monsters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. It's not great. <laughs> that is a damning statement. I, I can't add any more to it because I yeah. don't have additional context for it. So I I will leave it at that and leave everyone yeah. else to watch it on their own and draw their own conclusions. But it make me feel great about Sammy G going into that. Yeah, that's poor timing on that. Yeah. yeah. So but other than that, I don't think there's any other crazy NHL news. Um, I feel pretty good to end the show here, man, unless you've yeah. got anything else. Uh, Jacob Truba tried to cut someone's head off, got a 5K fine. D'Angelo Do you say cut their head off or just chop it? Because he used a stick. Yeah. I mean, if you swing hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, he got a $5,000 fine. I also just, this is why I love hockey Twitter, because it was just a random, like, Travis Frederick fan page that put this video together, and then you have all of the national reporters using that video. Yeah, I, uh, guess, no, I guess no one saw it. I just love because you see all these retweets and it's like video from Travis, Travis Frederick Stan account. How is this the only person who found this video? (laughs) And they brought Jacob Truba to justice with the 5k fine. Yeah. So it it was very fun. Yeah. I forget. Was it you who brought that Truba like with the flyers and Delorier? Like he, he was, he was going to fight and it's like, what's the point of having enforcers if they can't even do anything? <laughs> like, Yeah. Deloria, Deloria was literally shadowing Truba the whole time and watched Truba, like just lay someone out. Yeah. And then also still didn't fight him. Right. Yeah. Enforcers other than Curtis, not, they all kind of suck. So um, yeah, let, let's, before we get way more off topic, let's uh, let's, let's end this episode. We can wrap this one up here. I'm happy to leave it off at that again. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at Tell It as it is if you enjoy the show please feel free to leave a rating on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcasts from don't forget we have the mailbag coming up on friday this week for our saturday episode the link is in the description and also on our twitter page so be sure to send in any questions you've got so we can answer them on the next episode but we're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.